Good morning, church family, as we gather again together on the Lord's Day. I want to remind you of a couple of truths uh, to kind of gather our attention and focus on the Lord. Reminded of Psalm 118 and verse 1 that says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Uh, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves of the Lord's goodness, of focusing, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, of God's goodness is unchanging. Um, unlike the, the weather that is constantly changing around us, God's goodness is constant. Remember to give thanks to the Lord because he is good. So today we can, we can pause, and no matter what's going on around us, we can give thanks to God that he is good. And it says that his mercy endures forever. So no matter what might be going on in your mind today, what temptation or struggle you might be facing in regards to anxiety and fear, and there's just a constant flow of temptation to fear this, fear that around us, uh, this number, that number. Did you hear about this going on? We need to pause, get outside, and remind ourselves that God's goodness is unchanging and that we have such a wonderful friend in Jesus. Just like last week, I want to remind you and tell you about a little bit of a history. Since we're not able to sing together, hopefully you're still taking time to sing praises to God on your own. But since we're not able to sing some of our songs together, I want to remind you of some history of some songs. Uh, the song is One Friend We Have Jesus. It is written by a man, uh, by the man named Joseph Scriven. And Joseph Scriven was uh, getting ready to be married. He was from Ireland, and in 1850s, he was getting ready to be married. And the day before their wedding, his fiance tragically drowned in a lake. Joseph obviously was shaken by this and had to try to recover from what was going on and he decided that maybe a change of scenery a change of lifestyle was in order and so he decided to move from Ireland at the age of 25 and move from Ireland to Canada leaving his mother behind uh, 10 years later he received word that his mother was facing a crisis of her own and going through a difficult time. And you can imagine as, as her son, he is thinking of her and wishing he was there to comfort her. And he sat down and he wrote the words to this song that we sing known as What a Friend We Have in Jesus. He, he did not write it in order to be published in any way. He just It was a letter to his mother to try to encourage her in the Lord in her time of suffering and difficulty. And he wrote her this letter. Uh, in, in Joseph's life, he once again fell in love there in Canada. But again, before he was able to be married, his bride-to-be, Eliza Roche, got tuberculosis and died uh, right before their wedding. To escape his sorrow, Joseph poured himself into his ministry. He would go around. He was uh, firewood giving of what little he had to the poor. He was described as a man of short stature with iron gray hair, light blue eyes that, that sparkled. It wasn't until the very end of his life 
um, that it was found that he was the author of this song. Uh, his mother had passed the, the note along, the song along to someone else, and it became popular even though no one knew who had written it. Uh, it was just an unknown hymn, even though it was very popular. Um, shortly before his death, he was visiting with a friend, and the friend happened upon a copy of this song, and they were talking about it, and Joseph shared with him that he had written it to his mother. Uh, never thinking of it getting out in any way. And he said, uh, his friend asked, Did you really write this well-known hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? And Joseph's reply was, The Lord and I did it between us. On October 10th, 1896, Joseph became critically ill, and in his delirium, he staggered outdoors and fell into a small creek and drowned at the age of 66. Uh, kind of interesting, his grave, he arranged it so that his feet were the opposite of his lost love, Eliza Roche. His, he said that he did that so that at the resurrection they might arise facing one another. Um, but he wrote this to encourage his mother, and think about this in what you might be facing today. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptation? Is there trouble anywhere or is there trouble everywhere? We should never be discouraged because we can take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows your and my weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Maybe some of you are feeling weak and heavy laden even right now. Cumbered with a load of care. Precious Savior is still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he will take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. In his arms, he is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Lord, we thank you today that you are a God who is near. Lord, uh, your word reminds us that nothing can separate us from your love. What a What a privilege that is. What a wonderful reminder that... No matter the chaos that might be going on around, no matter the, the stress, the anxiety that is weighing on people today, Lord, we are reminded that you are good and that we are to give thanks to you for your goodness. Lord, we, we thank you that you are the unchanging God. And uh, we thank you that you are a friend, that we can come to you at any time. Uh, what, a, what a joyful thought it is and a joyful experience to be able to come into your presence and know the peace that only you can give lord i pray for each one today if they uh those watching that maybe don't know the peace that only comes from you i pray today would be the day that they give their life that they surrender their life to know the forgiveness of sins that only you provide the joy that only is found in your presence lord we love you we thank you because you alone are good. In Jesus' name, amen.
It really is fitting for us today to understand. Last week we said that the long-suffering of God does not endure forever. And it ends with the wrath of God. And that is an attribute of God that we don't often like to think about and we don't often um, talk about it much, but it's incredible that throughout the Scriptures um, there is more talk of God's anger, His wrath, His indignation than, than of His love. And in the book of Nahum, Nahum was a prophet that came to Nineveh. You may remember there was another prophet that came to Nineveh. It was Jonah. He came before Nahum. And you remember under Jonah there was a great working of revival. Um, The city turned to God. But years later, um, they had gone the way of the world again. and, And Nahum was bringing a message to Nineveh again. And I want to read from Nahum chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. And in light of, of our attribute being God's wrath, I want you to, to listen with that in mind. God is jealous, and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and in the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers, Bashan and Carmel's wither and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt, and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. For while tangled like thorns, and while drunken like drunkards, they shall be devoured like stubble, fully dried. The message that Nahum was bringing to uh, the Ninevites was a message of the, the judgment of God, the wrath of God. God's wrath is undeniable. We are thankful for his goodness. We are thankful for his long suffering. But it is undeniable that God is a God of wrath. When we use the word wrath, we tend to think of uncontrolled anger. Uh, When we think of human anger, uncontrolled rage, vindictive bitterness, or, or someone losing their temper. But this isn't what God's wrath is like. Another attribute that we looked at, the chief attribute of God, is that God is holy. 
He totally and completely distances himself from sin, from evil, from corruption, from filth, and the guilt that it produces. And he maintains his purity and rejects and fights against and destroys that that offends or attacks his holiness. God's wrath must be seen in relation to his maintaining his holiness, his perfection, his justice. As we mentioned a moment ago, there are more instances and references in Scripture to God's anger and fury and wrath than there are to his love and tenderness. Wrath is a personal manifestation of God's holiness. It is holy indignation. Wrath happens when holiness meets sin. Wrath happens when justice meets injustice or rebellion. Wrath happens when righteousness meets unrighteousness. Wrath happens when perfect good meets pure evil. And it is the long-suffering of God that we haven't experienced more of the wrath of God. But God's wrath is his settled hostility towards sin with all of its various manifestations. The wrath of God, if we go back throughout history, we see the wrath of God was manifested in bringing the curse. Because, because mankind sinned, God brought the judgment, and it was his wrath against the rebellion. We look in Genesis chapter 6, just a few chapters later. The wrath of God came upon all mankind because he saw they did evil continually, and he sent the flood to destroy mankind. We go on in Genesis, Sodom and Gomorrah, because of their pride and and arrogance and rebellion of God's ways. God brought judgment. It was the wrath of God. You look at the dealings of God with Israel over and over again. He brought his wrath to to bring them to repentance. But I think, and I don't think I know, the pinnacle of God's wrath is a perfect blend of what we find at the cross. God's hatred for sin was born by Jesus Christ. And and at the cross, which we are going to be thinking on this coming week, is, is the most vile way of death for any human being. It is a shameful way of death. And Jesus Christ bore the wrath of God. For our sake. So the wrath of God was manifested from the very beginning the curse, the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, Israel, the cross. It will be manifested in the seven year tribulation that is to come upon the earth. It is a time of God's wrath, and ultimately it will be manifested in. The place prepared for the devil and his angels, hell, and for those that align with the devil and his angels. 
Many times people think, well, God's wrath, that's an Old Testament doctrine. When we come to the New Testament, it's, it's mercy. It's a not about the wrath of God. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29, we read that he reminds us, and you will find over and over again in the New Testament similar things, but he reminds us, he says, If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy of those who have trampled the Son of God under feet, underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sacrificed a common thing and, exalt, and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, you've heard us say many times over that Romans chapter 1 is like reading a commentary on today's society. And notice verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, neither were thankful, but became vain or futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This passage announces God's judgment on the human race, and it comes as a response of man's rejection of truth. First, man rebels against God, and then comes the wrath of God. There's a simple progression here. Men, by nature, suppress the truth of God. That suppression of truth leads to ungodliness, That ungodliness leads to wickedness and immorality, 
And that wickedness leads to every kind of evil and violence, and it ends up bringing the wrath of God. Turn over in Romans chapter 2, and if you'd look in verse 5 of Romans chapter 2, you will notice that it says, But in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immorality, immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish, on every soul of man who does evil. You notice what he says here, that he's going to bring indignation, tribulation, judgment, and wrath on every soul that does evil. The wrath of God is a very real attribute of God's and one that should affect us greatly. So God's wrath is undeniable. But we must realize God's wrath is poured out on nations on this earth. Nations are not judged in eternity. Nations are judged in this life. And when you think about it, America is truly deserving of God's wrath. There has been no nation that has been favored like our nation God's grace has been abundant on our nation in so many ways, and yet we have turned our back on him. You think about it. Today, as we sit here today, churches and gyms and small businesses and restaurants and schools and parks and universities are all closed because of the China virus, but abortion facilities are allowed to remain open. Do you think that's something that God winks at? Do you think that's something that that does not affect the heart of God? Thomas Jefferson said, Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God? that they are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, Thomas Jefferson said, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep. Thomas Jefferson realized the wrath of God. And he said, I tremble for my country when I realize God is just And his justice cannot sleep forever. We need to realize God judges nations in this life. And he will do much of that judgment during the time that the Bible calls the seven-year period of tribulation that takes place after the rapture of the believers. Over one-half of the population of the earth will die in those seven years. 
I mentioned to someone this last week that uh, we're making a big deal, and it is. It's affected everyone on the face of the earth. But about this pandemic, this pandemic is minor compared to what is going to take place during the seven-year period of tribulation. We don't have the time to go into it, but you go in and read the book of Revelation. Begin reading in Revelation chapter 4 and read through chapter 17, and you will see the devastation that is coming, and it is the wrath of God. In those seven years, God is pouring out his wrath upon the nations that have rejected him. He is using that period to bring Israel to salvation. It is a horrific time that the world has never seen before, and it is a result of God's wrath. But we need to remind ourselves also that God's wrath upon individuals is eternal. We said nations are judged in this life. Individuals are judged before God, and the judgment is eternal. We read in 2 Thessalonians, if you'd turn there if you would, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we read in verse 9, <clears throat> well, let me begin reading in verse 8, that the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day. You notice what he said? They will be punished with everlasting destruction. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. He said, Many will say to me, Lord, we did many wonderful works in your name. In your name we cast out devils. And he will say to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. This is an eternal judgment that those who have rejected Christ will bear and will be separated from him forever. So the wrath of God is undeniable. It is a real issue that is upon us. But we need to realize Jesus Christ alone saves us from God's wrath. This is the great, great message. The, the dark, dark cloud of the wrath of God is driven away, is defeated, is satisfied through the blood of Jesus Christ. The only thing that satisfies the wrath of God is Jesus Christ. We're all familiar with John chapter 3 and verse 16. But I want you to look down further in that chapter, at the end of the chapter, after he has said to Nicodemus, you must be born again to have everlasting life, that Jesus came into the world and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But in verse 36, he says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. 
And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, because the wrath of God abideth on him. Notice it's clearly spelled out. If a person does not trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, the wrath of God is already upon them. The wrath of God, if they die without trusting Jesus Christ, the wrath of God will be upon them and they will be separated from God for all eternity. Because Jesus Christ died, God's justice is now satisfied and we can have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ died, God's wrath is turned away and the price for sin, death, has been paid. And when we receive Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is no longer upon us. You go on in Romans in chapter 5, he says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 8 and and verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And we, we realize that and rest in that to realize Jesus Christ alone sets us free from the wrath of God. Because Christ died, his mercy is more than all of our sin. Because Christ died, the gospel, the good news that there is forgiveness is available to anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. So we realize today, God's wrath is a very real aspect of his character. God's wrath has been seen in history, but it will be seen in the future through the tribulation period, and it will be seen for all eternity. So we step back and we say, okay, since God's wrath is an attribute of God, what should it mean to me? What should it cause us to do? Number one, It should cause us to run to Jesus for mercy and forgiveness. If you have never personally gone to Jesus Christ and said, Will you forgive me of my sin? I need your blood to cover my sin. I urge you today, wherever you're watching this, to right now say, God, Have mercy upon me and save me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, the wrath of God is upon you. And if you were to die today, separated, not trusting in Jesus Christ, his wrath will be upon you for all eternity. Today is the day of salvation. Will you call upon him? Are you sure that you are a child of God? Not because someone told you you received Christ at some time, but you know that you turned from your sin to Jesus Christ. So number one, because of the wrath of God, we should run to Jesus for mercy and forgiveness. And then secondly, we should eternally praise God for the work of Jesus Christ. 
If you have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin every day of your life, you have reason to praise God because the wrath of God is no longer upon you. And all the things that happen in this world, Romans 8 says, none of them can separate us from the love of God. The wrath of God is gone through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we should never get accustomed to that. We should always be praising God and thanking God and running to him with thanksgiving. But then thirdly, it should cause us to hate sin. Sin is opposed to the nature and the holiness of God. And it should cause us to realize in our life, I love God for providing forgiveness to me, and I am not going to bring into my life that which brings the wrath of God. I am not going to embrace that. I am going to flee from sin. It should cause us to hate sin. The Bible tells us that God is angry with the wicked every day. Why? Because his holy nature cannot approve of sin. And it says in Proverbs, if you love the Lord, you will hate evil. So the wrath of God should make us hate sin. And it should make us also rejoice as believers that we are saved from the wrath to come. I mentioned earlier, there is coming a period on this earth that has, it has never seen before. The waters turning to blood, the suns darken, plagues on the earth as never seen before. As we mentioned, over one half the world's population will die. But we are told in Thessalonians that everyone who is in Christ is saved from the wrath to come. You ought to rejoice. Things may not be great right now, but rejoice in Christ. You know you will not go through the seven-year period of tribulation. We are saved from the wrath to come. And then we ought to warn others. Because of God's wrath, we ought to warn others to come to the remedy for God's wrath, Jesus Christ. People that you work with, people that you live near, people that you do business with, right now the wrath of God is upon them if they have not trusted Christ. And we must warn others. It is God's responsibility to do the work in their heart, but our job is to warn others. Why? Because of this attribute of God, the wrath of God. And then it ought to cause us to rejoice in the justice that God's wrath will bring and the triumph of truth. Because of God's wrath, there will be triumph. God is going to bring judgment. I, I read this last week in, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 2. And it says in, in this, let me just share, um, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain things? They, they plot against the Lord 
and and say, let us break their bands in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And then it says, and he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and in the distress and distress them in his deep displeasure. The Lord will rain justice upon the earth. You read through the book of Psalms, and David is saying, God, why do the heathen prosper? But then he comes back and says, but God, you are going to bring justice. You know, we often think of the battle hymn of the republic as a patriotic song, but really it's a song talking about the wrath of God. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. Do you see what he's saying here? The Lord is coming. He has been storing up the grapes of wrath, but the day is going to come when he tramples out the grapes of wrath. He has loosed loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword, his truth is marching on. I have read his fiery gospel, writ in rows of burnished steel. As ye deal with my contemners, so with you my grace will deal. Let the hero born of woman crush the serpent's heel, that's Jesus Christ, since God is marching on. Notice this, he has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before the judgment seat. Oh, be swift my soul to answer. Be jubilant my feet. Our God is marching on. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with the glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, his truth is marching on. God's wrath will ultimately prove in the end that his truth prevails. Someone has said, though the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceedingly finely. Though with patience he stands waiting, with exactness He grinds all. Do you understand? With patience, God is waiting. And he is giving opportunity today. And I believe this coronavirus is a wake-up call that God is giving to the world. That his day of wrath is coming quickly. And it is our responsibility as believers to warn others. And if you are listening today and you have never called upon Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, please, we, we plead with you today, please avoid the wrath of God. 
No one would would wish that on anyone. And avoid the wrath of God by calling on Jesus Christ from where you are to forgive your sins and save your souls. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we don't come with our ideas of what kind of God you are. We come to learn from your word what kind of God you tell us that you are. And Lord, we do rejoice that you are a holy God. We rejoice that you are a good God. We rejoice that you are long-suffering. But Lord, we cannot ignore the fact that you are a God of wrath, that your holiness demands it. And Lord Jesus, I pray for one individual that may be watching today that needs your forgiveness. Lord, may they find it by calling in simplicity and prayer to you to forgive their sins and save their soul. And Lord, I pray for every believer that is watching that our hearts would be filled with with renewed Love and praise to you that the wrath of God no longer abides on us. That we have forgiveness and pardon in you. And that we are saved from the wrath to come. And that the best is yet to come. Lord, we, we thank you for who you are. And we pray that, that you would Find us willing instruments in your hand to be used of you in these days to help others be saved from the wrath to come. Lord, we can never, never thank you enough for your mercy and grace that saves us in Jesus Christ. But may we manifest that appreciation through our praise, through our life, And through our witness, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you today called upon Jesus Christ, we would love to rejoice with you in that. If you would let us know, we'd be happy to help you to grow in your walk with Christ. And if you are a believer, rejoice in the mercy of God. Rejoice in Jesus Christ. We have forgiveness And we are saved from the wrath to come, and the best is yet to come. Maranatha!